Too many who know the angles Uncover and untangle All the questions and the webs left out to tangle be in 1962, last Wednesday's afternoon, they'll bend your ears with reckless self-abandon. The amazing spider-talk, the amazing spider-talk, come swing through the air, sit back and prepare for the Hello, I'm Dapper Dan Gavaston, and I own every issue of Amazing Spider-Man, including the annuals, which definitely count. And I'm mischievous Mark Giannacchio, and I too own every issue of Amazing Spider-Man, but Dan, the annuals, especially annuals from different universes, don't count. All right, that's fair. <laughs> Do you think the annuals in other universes have more quality content stuffed into them? I mean, it's it's possible, but you know, they, they the the annuals might like die, and we have to send them back or something, and then that just gets like morally complicated. I don't even know what that means. Well, <laughs> anyway, I'm uh, trying to tie well, it together, Dan. <laughs> I, I I saw you trying to do that. But I, I, I'm going to move on and and just accept it for what it is. <laughs> Welcome everybody to the Amazing Spider Talk. The show where two fans and collectors uncover the strange, fun, and fascinating history of the Spider-Man comic and movie universes of, of all kinds of universes. Thanks for joining us for this review episode of The Amazing Spider-Talk. If you want to swing along with us on our journey through Spidey's past, present, and future, subscribe to Amazing Spider-Talk on your favorite podcast app. Every other week, we put out a mainline episode of our flagship show, and sprinkled in between, we review new comics or movies, as well as interview some of the greatest Spider-Man creators of yesterday and today. So this is the perfect time to start listening. So Dan, today on the show, we will be discussing Spider-Man No Way Home. Uh, you know, for those of you who have not been living under a rock, that it, of course is the new theatrical release of Spider-Man. <laughs> uh we're going to start out by giving our overall thoughts in a spoiler-free manner, but then quickly move into a discussion of the film in its entirety, a.k.a. spoiler alert. <laughs> yes, if you are even the littlest bit worried about spoilers, I would encourage you to come back to this discussion once you've seen the film. We both, Mark and I, agreed that the film is best viewed with as little knowledge as possible, and, you know, when we start with uh, before we get to spoilers, we're going to do our best not to ruin it for anyone. But when it does come down to discussing the plot and our opinions, I can't guarantee that my definition of spoilers is the same as yours. I will do my best, but don't get angry with me if something, uh, you know, uh, comes across your way you didn't know about and you didn't want to know about. We're going to do our best here. Consider yourself warned. You know, big flashing lights, warning, spoilers, you know, we're going to get into it here. So, um, Mark, let's talk about Spider-Man No Way Home, the end of what seems to be the Home Trilogy, 
if if you will. <laughs> you know, I did a kind of like a, a, a shorter release earlier this week. I wanted to get some of my thoughts out before the film release. And I had a conversation with my friend David Chen and kind of went over some of my like initial like knee jerk reactions to the film, um, which is to say I really liked the film. I have some problems with some things in the third act that didn't quite land for me, but I feel like it really put a kind of capper on this trilogy that made me rethink what I'd seen before in a new light, seeing kind of a master plan, uh, if you will, Mm -hmm. uh, over this whole thing that makes me think of all the films a little bit uh, better. And I think ultimately the ends justify the means because in the final five minutes of this movie, we get something that I have been like kind of dying to see on screen for a very long time. And I won't get into any of that. Um, but I think ultimately ups downs, uh, I think it's a really smart film that, um, you know, even if things don't work by the end of it, it, it it's so well-meaning and it has its heart in the right place uh, that you know it it it'll rank amongst the best Spider-Man films for me, Mark. Uh, like I was really unsure how you'd feel about this because you've not really connected with this series so far. I think you like Homecoming, okay, and uh, you kind of share my feelings about Far From Home that it's a bit of, of a misfire, even though we love Mysterio, um, and you know. Tell us a little bit more going into this film, your expectations. Yeah. And then kind of like where you landed. Yeah. It's it's so it's so funny, Dan, like when it comes to movies independent of Spider-Man, I feel like I don't always have the same critical lens as you do. But I, I, I feel like when it comes to things, Spider-Man. I have a very critical lens, sometimes maybe overly critical. <laughs> um, I, 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 I tend to be less forgiving, whether it be comics or movies, than, than, than you are with certain things when it comes to Spidey. Um, not, not always, but sometimes. Um, so, yes, I, 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 to, to your point, the, the, the home trilogy or whatever we want to call it has kind of left me a little a little disconnected because for me the 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 prior two movies while I enjoyed them and I especially enjoyed Homecoming it really I I it's it's one of my favorites among my favorite Spider-Man movies but there was still just something kind of missing from it and I feel like there was just something kind of lacking there was you know not and not to be trite or cliche about it but kind of like a heart and soul of the character I feel just wasn't there and wasn't connecting with me and I feel like what really spoke out to me with no way home was i feel like we finally connected to that heart and soul of spider-man in a way that we haven't in the previous two movies and probably really haven't since the raimi trilogy the early parts of it like in terms of at the core of who is who is peter parker and what motivates him and and i feel like this movie not not immediately but as it went along really kind of found that that moral path of of what of who is Spider-Man and what makes him tick and what really separates him from the other characters in the Marvel universe. Um, and, and it, it just really landed with me in so many different ways. I had so many different emotional reactions to this movie. You know, there were points where, you know, I definitely felt myself welling up a bit. There were parts where I definitely felt myself like gasping, just kind of like, Oh my goodness, I can't believe they're doing this on the screen in this way. 
um, like you, the last five minutes were just just sheer. I don't want to call it joy because I don't know if it's necessarily a joyful finale, but like, <laughs> but at the same token, it's like joy in only a way that a Spider-Man fan could find it. Exactly. It's it's <laughs> it's like just finally seeing that iteration of this character the way I've always kind of dreamed it to be um, on the screen. I mean, you know, I think part of what we both love so much about Into the Spider-Verse was that um, it really kind of felt like a dream realized, you know, like you, that you were seeing a comic on the screen in, you know, being acted out like in front of you. Um, and, you know, it's 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 just difficult to do that with live action. But like in a lot of ways, this kind of felt as close as you can get to that kind of like that that emotional connection to the character in a, in a live action sense that I've kind of dreamed about in a way uh, when I've been reading the comics and thought about what would make for a good movie. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, it really landed with me. I still probably in, in terms of the live action Spidey world would put Raimi's second movie ahead of it just because like that one just kind of set the, the, the high watermark for me for, for not just Spider-Man movies, but superhero movies about what I want them to be. But like, um, this was definitely like my favorite live action Spidey movie since that one. And it's probably among my favorite MCU movies, if you want to consider this part of the MCU. Um, it, it is. But, you know, like these just because <laughs> of the whole Sony Marvel deal, it, it always kind of feels like a tenuous connection to the MCU, even when they're throwing in. Iron Man or Doctor Strange or whoever, you know, it's just that full. It, it always kind of feels like it just be, can be pulled away back into the Sonyverse in a heartbeat. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, you mentioned Into the Spider Verse, and I think for me, that's the thing that I have the hardest time getting over. Is it's like once you've seen these characters alive in animation, in something as stylish as Into the Spider Verse, that really breaks down all the barriers and is, you know, not just a great Spider-Man movie or a great superhero movie. I think it's one of the all time great movies in terms yeah. of like achievement in the art form. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's hard to get like for me, at least it's been really hard to go back yeah. to live action because it's just like the characters just don't feel anywhere near as alive as they do in, in something like that. Um, and I think part of my kind of lukewarm reaction to it initially was kind of just nothing will ever match the heights of into the spider verse. And that's really a kind of an unfair thing to put any other film up against. Like I think the writing in that film and the style, I mean, it's like one of those rare instances where a movie has everything working a hundred percent. Um, and you know, this movie is pretty darn close you know but it, it does invite weird comparisons to into the spider-verse even just by its topic of dealing with the spider-verse and right. uh all of these people being pulled across universes and so it, it's hard to not like like compare what works in one versus how it works in the other but i but i agree with you in terms of like live action spider-man like this does feel um, like a wholly unique vision um, of its own, um, you know, perhaps with less of a true directorial stamp as something like the Raimi films right. or into the Spider-Verse. Um, but in terms of like the MCU character 
and the world that we've been presented there, this is the first one to really make that vision click entirely for me. I still think I enjoy Homecoming as a film more than I enjoy this film, um, if only because I love Homecoming's very low-stakes thrills, and Mm. I, I feel like it's a little simpler in terms of the story it's telling about a boy that is trying to get like, you know, ahead of himself and, you know, having to realize that like where he has to kind of accept where he's at. And, and, and I, I, when I'm looking at a movie like this, you mentioned it, I kind of have to compare two different worlds in my mind, which is like film lover, movie critic, Dan Gavazdan and Spider-Man fan, Dan Gavazdan, which is to say, like, I think that this movie is a better Spider-Man movie than Homecoming, but I think I like the film of Homecoming a bit more than this one. Um, I have a hard time relating to like the stakes of the multiverse and these things and the kind of low stakes personal journey of Homecoming landed a little bit dramatically harder than me, uh, to me. Um, But again, I've seen that movie a dozen times and I've only seen this one once. I'm dying to see it again. I don't know if I'm going to be able to given the COVID, uh, you know, state that we're in right now. Um, But yeah, I mean, I I think we're just lucky to have films this good in as fans of this character. Um, So, yeah, you want to get into some spoilers, Mark? Um, yeah, I think we have to. And, you know, as, uh, Dan, I, I, I did chuckle when you were prefacing things earlier by saying, you know, you're going to do the best you can. Um, I'm 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 going to keep it real here, folks. I, I'm kind of just going to talk about this. movie. <laughs> so, uh, Dan, <laughs> Dan, you can do the best you can. But I, I'm not I, I, I'm making zero promises here because I, I, I want to talk about this movie. I want to get into the, the into the grit of it. Um, and that's going to mean just talking about things that happen in the movie that are going to be spoilers. But so, you know, again, if, if you still haven't seen it yet, this is your off ramp. So (laughs) yeah, no, I'm I'm not going to hold back either. I I mean, this this is it. Like I, I, I held back for this opening. You know, I hope you got the idea that we both really like the movie. I have maybe a little more reservations than Mark does. But overall, I think we're both like a major like thumbs up on this one um, as Spider-Man fans and as film fans. Um, So, Mark, let's get into the spoilers for Spider-Man No Way Home. You're the Spider-Man from YouTube. Uh, Excuse me, I've got to be going. Why? (laughs) Something has come to my attention. First, we'll see who's behind the mask. You can look into your eyes as you die. Peace. No. You can't be. Does she know? Know what? So she does it. Good. Close to the vest. I admire that. I've got a few secrets of my own. What the Spoilers. Mark... We have all these categories written here that of things we want to talk about. And I think we could talk about this movie for probably longer than the runtime of this movie, given, <laughs> our, given our history as well. Yes. Um, but like, I want to skip right to the end of all of it because like my, my whole thing is like the ends justify the means. Can we talk about the final five minutes of this movie and how it hit us? Because I really think that, 
so much of the rest of it is really contingent on where it is taking us by the end of this journey and what that means for the journey that we have been on since uh, Captain America Civil War. So, Mark, the final five minutes, we've got Peter has to make probably the hardest decision any human being could ever be forced to make, which is to say to erase everyone's knowledge of you and truly be as alone as a human being can be. Right. Um, which he ultimately makes that decision, you know, realizing that MJ and Ned's lives are better off with him, not in it. And the result of that is we get a sequence of Peter climbing into an apartment in Manhattan and um, someone yelling at him for rent I like to think that it's uh, Mr. Dickovich um, <laughs> from the Raimi trilogy. Um, and he is basically like Spider-Man at the beginning of the PS4 game, which is like he's an adult now and he is alone. He's got these remnants from his past, his childish things that are there to comfort him. But he's alone and he is Spider-Man now. Like the class struggle is back. He's poor. Right. Like he um, has this idea of power and responsibility, like all the things that we've wanted to see baked into this character are suddenly locked into place for us to see in full form. Tell me your response to this when you saw this on screen. Yeah, I mean, it it was just was kind of stunning to me because like I feel like even. Even the Raimi movies, which I feel like really got into the to the soul of the character, like didn't didn't go as far as this did. I mean, I think that's part of it. It's like I was like, wow, they really went all the way with this. Like, I mean, you know, if you go back to the Raimi movies, you know, at the end of the first one, Peter walks away from MJ because it's like, you know, to be close to her is to put her in danger. And, and you know, like that's that. Yes, that's a classic Spider-Man conundrum. But like, yeah, like you said here to make that choice, like. Like, you know, it, 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 he just, you know, to, to, to basically push everyone away uh, and, and, and but to do it in a way where, you know, it's basically he's the only one who knows the cruelty of it. Like they don't. They're 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 ignorant to it. They're blissful to it. So it's like they can just live their lives and be happy. And we see that with with um, Michelle and and Ned in the diner celebrating, you know, going to MIT. It's just, you know, like this is this is this is the life they should lead. They should live without Peter in it and without Spider-Man in it. And and but but yet that's juxtaposed with, you know, him responding to, you know, the 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 police call to to go out and be the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man and, and to continue on. I also think to that scene also at the end with happy Hogan at, at May's grave. I mean, I'm just spoiling everything. (laughs) (laughs) And, and happy is kind of like, you know, I'm I'm trying to think of the exact words. Was it like, Oh, it's such a waste or something like that. Or, and, and Peter's like, well, I mean, he's like, we have to, we have to appreciate the time that we did have. And, And, and to me, it's almost like a, it's like a meta commentary on, like Marvel's time with this character, you know, we don't know the future state of the character, right? You know, whether Marvel will still get to work with him or not. And to me, this was almost like they've got John Favreau, the guy that like kicked started the Marvel cinematic universe saying, 
like, you know, we had to appreciate the time we have and now, you know, we will move on. And it's yeah. like, oh boy, I really, I really hope that that's not true for right. this series because we finally got it where we wanted it to go. Right. Um, yeah. But I feel like Peter had this response where he was like, no, it, you know, like there's, there's purpose here, you know, like, it, it, you know, yeah. like, it, it, you know, there's, you know, yes, this is, this is sad, but you know, there, we, there's, you know, there's more, it's, a, there's a higher calling at, 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 you know, at play here. And, and just watching Peter's growth to that point and to that realization, because, you know, again, like I, I, I get what you're saying about the lower stakes of homecoming and you're right. I mean, like, you know, there's this, there's just something sheerly joyful about like, like I always think of the, the scene with Michael Keaton in the, in the, in the car ride, you know, like, yeah. and, 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 and like, I mean, to me, that was just one of the best things that a Marvel movie has done so far that revealed with the vulture. And it's even then, like you, you still, like, I still kind of question in those movies, like, why is Peter doing this? You know what I mean? Like, what is, what is, what is he's, what is his actual motivation here? And like this, those final five minutes just kind of, really distill it and put it out there in a way where I would hope if even if you were a casual fan you'd understand but like for like the the, the hardcore fans that have wanted like you said to see this turn for this character it's just so satisfying that like he's finally he's finally learned the lesson and 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 he's doing what he's supposed to do um as this character as this as this hero and and it was just a joy to watch that transformation happen kind of in real time almost the way these movies have kind of been played out <laughs> yeah i mean for sure i i mean i think in homecoming you get little moments like when he bursts into the vultures warehouse and he's like what you're doing is wrong yeah. you know and and it and it's it's the kind of way that like a kid would like tell you like you're wrong. It's that innocence of like, you just got to do your best, you know? And, right. um, you know, and, and the world rewards those who do you know virtuous things. And, um, you know, you can see that as the kind of the beginning of this journey here, which is like, uh, I mean, really, I, I think, you know, this is a, a three movie origin story, um, which is something I did not expect considering no. that they seemed so eager to move past the origin. Right. Um, and I don't know how much it was. I want to believe that it was planned to have like the power responsibility line come in in the third movie and really lock it in place. Because like, I, I do think homecoming operates under the idea that you expect that he's already kind of gotten that lesson. Yeah. Um, because it's, it, it's trying to impart a different lesson to him, which is like, don't get ahead of yourself, um, you know, and, and it's a, I think what I connect to about that is it's kind of a, a lesson that all teenagers experience, which is you just can't wait to be an adult and really you should appreciate where you're at. And, you know, in contrast with the ending of this film, it's a really a nice kind of like bookend, which is at the end of this film, he is an adult, yeah. you know, and he's, you know, he's taking that lesson with him. Uh, along with the other lessons he learned along the way, like when you're a kid, you have a Tony Stark, you have a father figure that's there to support you and catch you when you fall and when you fail. And you try to find your place in the world and like far from home, which is to say, like, is he a global hero or not? Like, is that a like a, a playing field he should be operating in? I think that one's a little bit less clear, you know, but um, and like what what secrets and things do you keep from people you care about? 
but like here, I think it's like finally like, okay, good. Like we have put that in perspective, what all of this has been uh, about. Yes. And then, you know, not, not, not to be total fanboy here, but then seeing him kind of swing out in the very classic red and blues, like, you know, a, a, yeah. a, a, a classic version of the red and blues that we've never, I, 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 I don't think we've truly seen on the screen yet. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's, I mean, even the, the, the other costumes, there was just kind of some modern stylisms to it, you know, <laughs> and, and, and texturing and stuff. But like, you know, this was just like pure Dicko Spider-Man swinging out. And, and that was like, that was a gasp moment. I literally went <gasps> like that. Like, it just felt like, you know, like that final panel in ASM 300 that I know you referenced in your, uh, your, um, your, your article on, um, Hollywood Reporter. I mean, it's just, I don't know, to me, like, it was just like bringing it, bringing it all together in terms of that, like completing that circle or, or having that bookend, like you said, in terms of the realization of this character here. Yeah, I think the ASM 300 comparison is like dead on. I mean, I know that I wrote about it, so I'm like patting myself <laughs> on the back. Yeah, I but I'm, really, I, I'm, re I'm really not, which is like, I, I truly think that that is the homage that they're going for, is the, the return of the red and blues and just this iconic snowy image of, of Spider-Man. I mean, I, I, I will pay... Like I, I'm half tempted, you know, like this whole COVID scare, I'm half tempted to pay for a ticket to go see the movie and just to show up in the last five minutes so I can walk in and see that sequence <laughs> because it was, it was so overwhelming to me. I just like, I have almost no memory of it. Like, yeah, it, it feels like a dream, yeah. uh, you know, uh, not to oversell it. I mean, it's, it's a classic swinging sequence at the end, but just to see the character, reach that point where it was like okay great um like we're here you know like we we really saw this new birth of spider-man um I, I i thought it was really really wonderful um and like i said you know it, it gives us a nice arc to this story that i really wasn't expecting um so yeah so okay so we have some specific points we want to get into mark your first one that you have noted here is the uncle ben of it all Yes. Um, tell us a little bit about all, all of this, because this is something that I've harped on in the past regarding this series. And I want to hear how you feel on it in the wake of, of No Way Home. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think a valid criticism that has been laid uh, at the foot of these movies uh, prior to this was like, you know, where's the Uncle Ben? And I know we've like seen like, you know, the suitcase has Ben's initials on it. And, and you know, like it, it, there's there's been this sense that he exists in this universe. But like, you know, we never hear him like referred to like there's no like, you know, kind of talking ghost head of Ben giving Peter guidance in any way. I mean, the closest we got, frankly, was the scene in Civil War when we first meet this character in the MCU and he's talking to Tony about like, well, you know, I, I, I want to help because I know if you have, you know, if you, if you're able to help and you don't, bad things happen. And that's kind of like, I, I think, you know, if we go back on the time machine to what is it? 2015, 2016, when we were talking about that, you know, civil war on this podcast, we talked about like, Oh, well that's, yeah, there's his uncle Ben moment. You know, that's, and, and, you know, we kind of just, Consider that fact. To me, No Way Home, while bringing home 
the lessons of Uncle Ben or, you know, the Uncle Ben and having its own Uncle Ben moments, if you will. Um, the existence of Ben in the MCU, I think, are more unclear than ever. <laughs> and and, I'm, you know, and I don't know if that matters or it doesn't. Like, like you've been saying this whole episode, do the ends justify the means here? So, I mean, what, what do you think about that? I mean, do, do you feel like getting Uncle Ben moments without really having proof of existence of Uncle Ben in this world, does it matter? I mean, if I'm being totally honest, Mark, I think I would have preferred knowing that that was a concrete thing in this world. I mean, yeah. I, 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 I've said it long about like the MCU, Peter, or even Miles Morales in the comics, which is to say, like, I don't know what motivates that character. Like, mm. MC, like, like comics, Miles, I have no idea why that character is Spider-Man or what lessons he's being motivated by or moving forward with. Um, and, you know, MCU Spider-Man, I could imagine that thing existing, but I was never truly quite sure. And I think it's very different to go like, oh, I accept and know that the Uncle Ben thing happened and I, and I don't need to see it again. Um, and like experiencing that alongside him, you know, and, and I talked on, on my last show with David that like I think that the Sam Raimi films the real heart and soul of it is the Uncle Ben thing that they make you so caught up in that not only like do they implicate you in Uncle Ben's death as a viewer because you're cheering on Peter screwing over that wrestling uh, manager but also like that he returns in every movie and Peter needs to have that conversation with him saying like, I'm not going to be Spider-Man anymore. And you, you, that's painful to watch. And mm -hmm. when you don't know what conversation is going on in the head of the MCU, Peter, it's hard to see what he's wrestling or, with or, or, or weighing in, in those decisions. And so like, if, if you were to ask me like, yeah, I wish that we had that spelled out. I think Spider-Man's origin is really unique to the character in like that it is so much more important to the character than any other superheroes origin story is, you know, even Batman where we've seen his parents get murdered in that alley for 50 minutes on film, right? right? Like how many times do we need to see the Wayne's murdered <laughs> Martha and her pearls? <laughs> right, right. That I the pearls has almost become like a, like a joke at this point. Right. But like, I, I think that like the uncle Ben thing is more important than that. So I was thrilled when they kind of acknowledge that here and knowing that they can't look backwards. So they're going to look forwards by killing off may and having her deliver the line actually accurately. The accurate which, line. Which gave me a thrill. Yeah, yeah. Which, you know, I had someone in the theater next to me start reciting the line, but reciting the wrong movie line from... <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Raimi and Webb. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was thrilling to me. Um, you know, it is interesting because after she says it, he says, I know, like he's heard it before. So you could take away from that, like that Aunt May is moralizing on him or that Uncle Ben had told him that in the past, you know, it leaves it open for, for to a question. Although I feel like Aunt May's burial with no Uncle Ben next to her right. suggests that, like, there was no Uncle Ben, you know? Aunt May was a single woman that got entrusted with this child. 
Yeah, I, that that seems to be where it leads to. I mean, you know, like I I I don't know how else we should interpret that because, I mean, you know, and then I guess you say, well, the one what was with the 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 suitcase? The, the, I, I who know? I mean, maybe maybe Marvel decided the last second oh, there's not going to be an uncle ben in the thing <laughs> you know like after thinking there was going to be an uncle ben we don't know i mean like that's that'll be one of life's great mysteries um but yeah like that was kind of my read in retrospect was like you know kind of again hearkening back to that scene in civil war you know when 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 peter is kind of talking about this moral that he's learned i mean you know because like may prior prior to her saying with great power i mean you know like she sets this whole thing into motion when she's with when she's with norman osborne and and she's like no we have to help him you know like we can't we can't just send him on his way to die or suffer or whatever we have the power to help we need to do it um and it was like oh so maybe this this was just may's morality now we have not seen this version of May in these other two movies. So, you know, is, is so where, where do we stand on that? <laughs> yeah, I think it's a little out of character for her to be so moralizing because it, I mean, I think the real thing is just that we don't know this Aunt May particularly well. No. You know, and it's not to say that we knew Uncle Ben terribly well, but I think, you know, in most depictions of him, we get a pretty like clear understanding of of their relationship and and so much of like may and peter's stuff was left on like the cutting room floor you know if it was even ever filmed like we enter far from home and we don't even get the conversation about how she feels about him being spider-man which could have been a really great opportunity for this kind of moralizing to enter the picture but we just kind of skip past it and she's immediately okay with this child she's being entrusted to going off and fighting crime around the city and right to me that's weird like i i think if the long-term plan was to always do this i think it would have been great if aunt may wasn't so foreign to me you yeah. know um and, and as a result i think the emotional moment of this just didn't land quite as strongly for me i also think the way that it's kind of like set, like framed is weird like she gets blasted by this thing and then it seems like she's okay. So then she gets to give this speech and then she's like, not okay. It like messed with my like understanding and my, the emotional impact of it. Cause I was like, Oh, she's fine. Oh no, she's not fine. And I, I, I in terms of like an emotional roller coaster, I was like, I, I it, it, um, it, it felt like it was being like half too smart or half too clever. And it just kind of took me out of the scene a little bit. Um, whereas like, when uncle Ben dies in the original Spider-Man film, I think it's an emotionally gutting moment there in a way that this one didn't quite land for me. Yeah. I see what you're saying. I don't know for whatever reason, like the scene where, where, where she died, like I, I kind of felt from jump, she's dying here. You know what I mean? Like you saw the yeah. glider kind of, you saw the glider go through Kaala ASM one twenty two, And then the first Raimi movie kind of, you know, like, and I didn't know if it was originally going to like pin her against a wall or something, but like, I was just like, no, like this is, this is, this is a false hope spot where, where she's kind of staggering around. Like there's no way this woman is surviving that. Like it just felt yeah. like, I don't know. Like I, I just kind of, 
So like, I didn't feel taken out of it in that regard. But, you know, I, I think it's valid, though, to point out that this character has not had this kind of emotional depth prior to this. So, you know, it, it does seem a little convenient to be using her here. With that said, again, ends justifying the means like to me, like, OK, if we're going to if we're going to use this moment however kind of convenient as it is to finally move this character, you know, the, the main character, Spider-Man, forward in a direction that we want to see him move. I'm I'm OK with it because it's still. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we're, we're 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 playing with the audiences, especially the audience like we, the audience like you and me, our prior knowledge of Spider-Man mythology to kind of almost wash away the specifics of, of what we're looking at and, be like, and, and, and put and filling in the context holes with what we know about this character and what makes him tick. So like it, they, you know, it's a cheap trick and yeah, from a, from a pure filmmaking standpoint, not, not well executed, but for Spider-Man fan standpoint, it, it well executed, <laughs> I guess, you know, like, it, I mean, that's the thing on this is, I think a lot of the stuff that I, didn't didn't work for me work a hundred percent on paper so i'm like okay like that makes sense like that's good storytelling like i'm willing to go with it even if it didn't impact me emotionally and, right. and and i and i will be honest like you know i feel like maybe my senses are a little dulled because like in, in all these situations like you were saying you're like i knew she was gonna die it's like you know i ran through every single possible outcome of this the minute i see any of these things because you and I have read so many different interpretations of Spider-Man, comics, storytelling in general, that mm. we're not coming into this just completely like innocent doe-eyed. You know, we're coming into it pretty like jaded uh, watchers. So it's like, I, you know, I kind of knew where it was going, but it was waiting for it to like sweep me up. Like movies that can get me to forget that I'm watching a movie with a constructed right. narrative are the things that I love the most. Um, and like, I feel like I could see a lot of the strings being pulled here um, until like maybe the final moment of this movie where it really hit me emotionally. You know, th this is all saying like, I think it's a great moment, even if it didn't necessarily like tear my guts out in the movie theater. Yeah, no, I don't think it, tear it, it tore my guts out. It was more of like a, like, again, like, I got emotional more at like, oh, wow, they're finally giving him this moment. You know what I mean? Like he's finally yeah. experiencing this loss so that he can truly understand this lesson, you know, because you can say what he said prior and and, you know, like kind of get the sense that this was what he was doing. But like. I don't know. It just never felt fully realized to me that like, you know, like that he truly understood what what power and responsibility was about. And then like, I, you know, and then I feel like it's further accentuated. And, and you know, here we go with even more spoilers with the appearance of the other Spider-Man. You know, like I feel like, you know, when when Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield come through and they're kind of like, you know, talking about their moments of realization. And, and, and it's interesting. I also think that. You know, McGuire talks about Uncle Ben, but Garfield uses Gwen Stacy as kind of his his guiding light and 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 how he failed her, um, which, you know, again, like we're playing we're, we're, we're playing with the narrative a little bit. I mean, like both characters were, were, were Uncle Ben, but I think they're trying to show it could be, you know, it's kind of like 
into the Spider-Verse when they had that scene about like what 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 was their moment? And it was like it was my Uncle Ben. It was my you know, it, it was my father. It was my th- you know what I mean? Like it, 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 it it's trying to kind of show the range of outcomes and how, you know, like but like at their core, because they are Spider-Men or Spider-People or whatever, that this is what drives them. You know, like it, it's it's that sense of loss and learning from that loss and, and, and learning that lesson of power and responsibility from that loss. Well, it's interesting you say that about the Andrew Garfield one, because um, I actually think that this shows that this movie understands those movies better than those movies did, Um, (laughs) which is to say, like, at the end of Amazing Spider-Man, you know, Andrew Garfield is like the best promises are the ones you get to break, you know, or, you know, or however that line goes. And um, there's a deleted scene, Mark. I don't know if if we've ever talked about this or if you've seen it. Um, I talked with David about it on my last thing that I released, which is there's a deleted scene from Amazing Spider-Man 2. The graveyard um, where, scene. Yes. You know the one I'm talking about? Yes, yes. With with uh, with Richard Parker, right? Right. And he delivers the great power, great responsibility line there in the wake of Gwen's death. And like I do think that that series, knowingly or not, did set up Gwen to be the Uncle Ben character by the very no- nature of like how much, how little those movies cared about Uncle Ben. You know, like Uncle Ben dies and the burglar gets away and Spider Man doesn't even bother addressing it ever again. You know, like truly that felt like the most perfunctory Uncle Ben death that has ever been done. You know, it's uh, who, Uncle Who. You know, whatever. Um, so I think that was actually smart of them to do that because I think it's actually accurate to to those movies. Although I know that deleted scene doesn't exist, but it is there as a way to showcase the authorial intent, which was always, it seems, to have Richard Parker deliver that line in the wake of Gwen's death. Um, if you haven't seen that, go look up the deleted scene from Amazing Spider-Man 2 in the graveyard. It's absolutely fascinating and features some of the worst overacting I've ever seen committed to screen. Um, Andrew Garfield, an overactor, never. Um, I, I like Andrew Garfield, but, um, you know, the, these kind of morals aren't really anything unless they uh, we see that the character acts on them, you know? And one of, one of the things that I really struggled with in this movie was like, this scene, the confrontation between, uh, you know, Tom Holland, Spider-Man and uh, Norman Osborn, because it is so violent in this movie, like so much of it is so violent. And, you know, if you remember back to Homecoming, their big thing was like Spider-Man will never throw a punch. He will always like redirect other people's punches. He's not a violent character. And I think the same could be pretty much said for, um, far from home. Like I can't really think of him throwing a punch in that movie more than he is dodging the attacks of others and maybe destroying machines. So like to see him so unhinged here, just like bashing in Norman's face. I mean, and Willem Dafoe giving the performance of a lifetime, just like smiling through the pain, Mm -hmm. you know, um, to me was really like a tough pill to swallow seeing a Spider-Man be that violent. Um, you know, even to the point of like killing him, um, which like would have happened were there not to be an intervention, you know, th- that really kind of like 
was something that took me, I'm struggling with it. And I think I get what they were going for, but I have to admit like emotionally in the moment, I was like, Oh, I was just kind of like repulsed by it. And maybe that's the intent, but it really, it really like, uh, I was like, oh, I I don't love seeing that the character can go to this dark of a place. Yeah, I I I, I see what you're saying. I mean, I I will I will no prize this a bit with two things. Um, I mean, the first is like I I I kind of felt the scene with with Osborne was also a callback to like 122. Um, now, granted, he didn't have other characters there to kind of stop him from the kill shot uh, with Osborne, but like you know, like. He was on the cusp of killing Norman, you know, after the, you know, the death of Gwen, you know, like he and then he but then he made the choice like, no, I'm not going to sink to your level, you know. But then the second part of it was I felt that Toby Maguire's Spider-Man kind of set this up when, you know, they were kind of running through their 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 Uncle Ben moments. And he's like, you know, and I thought I would I would feel better to just chase down the burglar and 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 destroy him and i didn't feel better you know and and you know the fact that it was mcguire's character that stopped holland from delivering the fatal blow to osborne i felt was kind of bringing that back full circle like his way of being like no i know what you're feeling but you can't do this and then the fact and then you know i kind of feel like it redeems holland when Maguire gets shivved by Goblin, fortunately not fatally. I, w- I would have really been upset if they killed one of the Spider-Man in this movie. You know, like, I just feel like that wasn't their place. <laughs> yeah. I, I, you know what I mean? Like, you don't, don't, I don't know. Like, I feel like let, let those franchises, if they want to resurrect those franchises, let those, let them deal with it that way. But anyway, um, and then, you know, instead of reacting in going back to his rage holland just grabs the serum and i mean kind of forcefully but still like emphatically cures norman and lets him you know and 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 does what he set out to do in the first place which is like give him a give him a second chance and send him back to his reality so like that i i i I see what you're saying and it's not it's walking a line for sure for me but like i i'm not ready to like completely ding it on its merits because I feel like they they do set it up enough and there is context and history from the comics that kind of justifies again that Peter could take that turn I guess yeah I I think that's ultimately where where I've landed Um, I think what was also difficult for me was that like the movie goes out of its way to show Osborne as like a, a a figure worthy of empathy more than I think any of the other films have. Like, like when you see him first confronting the goblin and you see how broken of a person he is and how like sad and kind of weak he is in the face of this demon that is like controlling him, you know, to see this, you know, in many ways, victim get assaulted by Spider-Man in that way was 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 tough, you know, because like the movie had asked us to empathize with Norman in some way, which I think makes him a richer portrait, you know. But anyway, that that made it difficult for me as well. Um, what do you think about the 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 uh, other villains in the movie? I mean, we got a we almost got a Sinister Six. I don't know if you count the tree as the sixth member of the <laughs> Sinister Six, but um, 
we, we did get five villains here, um, which is amazing to me that they didn't just like, we have to round out the sixth one. Um, but right. Uh, yeah. Like, like I, I would have thought maybe they would have brought either Vulture or Mysterio back in a way or something. I, you know, like I, I, I was kind of surprised by that, but that's, that's, yeah. I mean, I, I, I do want to like, just, just kind of reaffirm like Willem Dafoe was brilliant. Like, I mean, I feel I feel like better than he was in the first Raimi movie in terms of the interpretation of the character, because I feel like, you know, in the Raimi movie, as great as he was, like there was potential to kind of it got the character got played for camp at parts. And I think, you know, and this was actually an observation of my of my wife. So I want to credit her here when she when she walked out. She's like, what I really appreciated about what they did here was that rather than kind of i mean they did some callbacks like the you know people say i'm a bit of a scientist myself and, uh, <laughs> which, which I, I i laughed out loud in the theater when that happened but i do feel that um they they took the interpretation of like mania and and mental illness rather than just kind of like you know gleeful mischievous uh you know carnage or if you will or, or you know like and and it was it's nuanced but it's there and 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 Defoe nails it you know like he he really elevates that character in a way that I don't feel we got in the first movie with with the goblin and with Osborne so I I, I just really appreciated that but I, I so I I wanted to get my opinion on that out there but in terms of the others um, you know, certainly like, you know, all of the trailers kind of, you know, we, we saw plenty of Molina's Doc Ock in those trailers. So like there was not a lot of surprise there. And I feel like, you know, like what I mean, Molina was certainly good. I mean, he was he was he I, I guess it was as expected, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? Like I, I, I appreciated Molina's performance the first time around and this time around. I felt he he delivered what he could. I mean, I feel like they kind of played down Doc Ock as a threat, which was a little disappointing. But like I, I, I Molina certainly is someone that can kind of bring the emotional range and gravitas to the character that was is warranted and i feel like he delivered again here i mean do you have any specific thoughts about what he did there i just want a lot more of that character just in general um Mm. but you know i do like that they acknowledge the history with the tentacles controlling him and i thought the first fight scene was really fun Mm. i mean uh, there's just something really visually unique about dr octopus and like matching it with the iron spider suit with, with, you know, the multiple arms was like a, a brilliant stroke. And, um, you know, I thought that scene was, was really fun. It doesn't match the Spider-Man two fight scene in, in any way, but I don't think that it really uh, is trying to, I just, I really wish we could have gotten a lot more of the character because I love him so much, but I did want to say like, I, I think that the, the, um, de-aging tech, in this movie is like the best it has ever been. Like Mm. if you told me that they used a time machine and pulled Alfred Molina and, and Willem Dafoe from 20 years ago into this movie, I would believe you. I mean, it is seamless. They look exactly like they did in those movies, 15, 20 years ago. Um, and I, I thought that was just remarkable. Um, I mean, 
if you've seen Alfred Molina now, he looks almost nothing like he did in that movie. Yeah. You know, he is a yeah. much older person. And um, I, I, I thought that was remarkable. It took me right back to it. Um, so that was really, really fun. I would I would have loved a brilliant but lazy callback. Uh, <laughs> yes. I, I'm just putting that out there. <laughs> yeah, I, I would I would have loved that, too. Um, what do you think about some of the other uh, villains? We've got, you know, uh, Jamie Foxx as Electro. Yes. I think a character that nobody really ever connected with. Yeah. Um, in it's the Amazing like, Spider-Man 2 movie. Yeah. And like to your earlier point about like this movie maybe getting ASM2 better than ASM2 did. Like I, I feel like that's true here with with Jamie Foxx. I feel like they actually play to his strengths as an actor and as a as a as a character. Um, I mean, like let's also state the obvious. Like just redesigning Electro so he's not Blue Man Group was like you know a breath of fresh air. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, like I, I I just feel like and I and I can't exactly put my my finger on it but it, you know like I, I appreciated that Max Dillon here is not like this kind of like down luck loser who gets the powers here like I mean this is someone like from like how he is in the comics where he gets these powers and you know like he wants to he wants to take take advantage of it and leverage those powers I mean that's kind of I mean I, I always talk about when I talk about Electro like his origins is so simple it's like Hey, I can I control electricity now. Let let me go rob some banks and do bad stuff. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> I can, and it's, <laughs> and it's simple but effective. And and I don't feel that the second web movie really hit on that with him. It, you know, they kept trying to play too much about well, was he bullied? Was he this? Was he that? And and I and I feel like they were going for too many different things and thus muddied the character as a whole. Whereas here we're kind of back to that core of like he's like, nah, I like it here. I want I want this power. I want I, I like feeding off this new electricity and and you know and then also his line to to Garfield like oh I would have thought you would have I always would have thought that Spider Man was black. I mean like obviously a shout out to Miles but also just I I, I like I feel coming from Electro and and Jamie Foxx's Electro was just a great way to kind of bring that concept in. I love that moment, except that it makes absolutely no sense in the plot of this movie. Because <laughs> the, the only reason that the character is being pulled into this dimension is because these people knew the identity of Spider-Man. Mm. So he's admitting, yeah, I don't know what Sp who Spider-Man is or what he looks like. Right. So then how was he pulled into this dimension? It's a enormous plot hole. The character should not be there. Yeah. And Electro had no idea that Peter Parker was Spider-Man. Now you could say, here's my no prize of it. Okay. Um, okay. Originally my no prize of it was, Oh, this is a variant of Electro because he looks different, right? right? Right. So like it's another one. And so in his dimension, he did discover that Peter Parker was Spider-Man. Right. But then at the end of the movie, he admits that that's not true. So it destroyed my no prize. So I'm going to have to come up with another one, but it just doesn't make any sense. Like, yeah, maybe that, that, he knew it was Peter Parker, but didn't know his race. I, I, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, that is that. I mean, you're right on that. And I thought about that myself, too, because I was like, wait, I thought the whole premise was like all these characters knew who Peter was. But with that said, I mean, like Electro was I, I, I mean, shockingly good 
and that's a really terrible pun that I didn't mean to make, but seriously, oh god, yeah, seriously, very good. Like I like like complete like when when this movie was first being rumored a while ago, and they're like, hey, Jamie Fox is back, and I was like, really, we're gonna do this again with him? Uh, you know, like I could see Molina and 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 Defoe, but I was not really feeling Fox's Electro. I did not like that interpretation of that character at all it was one of the many low points of that that second movie for me um but here like like i now granted i'm hearing rumors now that sony wants to do a solo project of jamie fox's electro uh you know let's not go crazy here but like i would i would like <laughs> i wouldn't mind seeing this iteration of the character in a future Spider-Man movie, <laughs> how's that sound? Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> that 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 totally works. Um, people in the chat are saying no. Harry told him the name Peter Parker, but he didn't tell him what he looked like. So uh, I need to rewatch Amazing Spider-Man two. Apparently, there you go. Now, meanwhile, Lizard and Sandman, fun to see them again, but total afterthoughts. I mean, like, they they might as well have not have been in that movie. <laughs> Is it just me or the lizard effects worse in this movie than they were in Amazing Spider-Man 1? Yeah, I mean, I, I appreciate that they just kind of make campy jokes about the lizard. Like, oh, uh, you know, you know what would solve this problem? What? Turning everyone into lizards? Exactly. I mean, you know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, it was interesting to see that Sandman, like, was good, you know, when he first right. shows up. You know, echoing his kind of comic role. Um, that was really unexpected um, uh, from me. What, what do you think? How many conversations do you think were had to try to get the love interest to come back? For, for this movie. I mean, would that truly have overstuffed it? I'm just imagining a scene where they're like, we plucked all these people right before they died. Yeah. And Gwen is just like mid fall. She gets <laughs> plucked. Please don't send me back. I was falling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, I know what you're saying. I mean, like, but yeah, I agree. I think, I think it would have just been way too many balls in the air to have, the love interest there too, you know, like, but, but, but I mean, you know, maybe they could have pulled it off. We don't know. I mean, I didn't, I didn't think they could pull off as much as they pulled off here, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I will say, I do think still that John Watts is not a terribly great director of action. Mm. If he even directed the action, because there's this big rumor, like with a lot of these Marvel movies that they have a B team that just does the action. And like, I think this remains kind of like a weak spot in a lot of Marvel movies where they like have the characters fight at the airport in a really uninteresting background um, or even like the final fight in Endgame. Like, I love that fight, but the giant like apocalyptic battlefield, I think, is a little bit visually boring. Um, and here it's like endless scaffolding. For yes. the final battle. And I couldn't tell you geographically like where one thing is taking place versus another. And looking back on it, I can't really remember any distinct visuals from that scene. Um, other than maybe like Spider-Man jumping up and landing on the Statue of Liberty's head. Um, mm -hmm. Whereas you think about like uh, any of the Raimi fight scenes, like whether it be the train fight or even the Spider-Man 3 rooftop ring battle between Peter and Harry. I can distinctly visualize every beat of that in my mind. And here, I just don't think that Watts really 
has quite the same grasp of geography and uh, like icon iconographic imagery. Maybe the the neatest image in this in terms of fight is um like the one that's stolen straight out of the PS4 game of Spider-Man like blasting Norman through the floor of the of the hotel building. Um, but uh, I don't know. What what do you think about that? I mean, the, how do you feel about the action in this movie? No, I, I, I agree. I mean, like it's it's either frankly a little muddied and muted and hard to see visually or or just uninteresting at points in terms of the backdrops and, and the settings. I, I, I don't, I, I don't disagree with you on that. I mean, you know, I, I, I would, I guess I would say that from an action standpoint, there's nothing memorable that stands out, but like, I feel like this gets the characters better than a lot of those other movies did. So like, and you know, you know me, I'm a big, I'm a big fan of character. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I, I mean, I guess that's again, how I can kind of gloss over it, but yeah, I mean, we're never going to get anything like the, the subway scene with Doc Ock. I mean, like my goodness, like that whole, I mean, like to me, that's one of the best scenes in any superhero movie period, you know, like it's just, yeah, it's, it's just brilliant. Um, and, and but, but there's no, there's no like, like your gut, like clenching, like the yeah. truck flipping in the dark night or right, a- right. anything like that. Like, yeah. I mean, I think the, feels I think like the, a CGI mess, I was just say, I think the only Marvel movie that really gets it right is winter soldier. Yeah. Agreed. Um, but yeah, other than that, yeah, they're all kind of, they all kind of fall into the same traps of each other. So. I also feel the same way visually about like the villains in, in cells, like that stuff was fun. But at a certain point I was like, can we do more with these characters? And I have to imagine it was an easy way to get all those actors in the same place, probably because their schedules didn't line up. So like you could record them individually, make sure they're in cells. They'd never have to interact. And, and that's kind of a bit of movie magic that like, you know, allows you to kind of trick people that they managed to get all these people in the same room which mm. probably never happened. Um, so, and, and anyway, um, Mark, there's a lot to talk about with this movie. We're going to get back to it in a second, but what can our listeners do if they like want to talk with us and other fans who love Spider-Man about this movie? Well, hundreds of listeners like you and I, Dan, hang out in our community of Spider-Man fans on Slack. The amazing Spider Slack community is absolutely free to join, and you can jump into active conversations with awesome people about collecting, conventions, movies, new comics, old comics, and more. Yeah, this week uh, I discussed this thing that happened to me today, Mark. I got into a fight with a guy in my local comic book shop oh boy. about how Ned Leeds was never the Hobgoblin. Mark, <laughs> you should have been there. This guy like was like, I didn't like Ned Leeds in these movies because he didn't get to become the Hobgoblin. And I was like, well, Spider Sense, like, he was never the Hobgoblin. <laughs> yeah, wait, hold on, Mark. So I said, but Ned was never the Hobgoblin. And then this guy turned to me and he pulled one of these. You ready for this? Oh, no. He pulled a, he pulled a, well, I don't know how old you are, but I'm 40 oh. and I've been reading these comics uh, my entire life. So I'm, very sure that Ned Leeds was the Hobgoblin. No! And boy, Mark, I don't know that I've ever been more triggered in my life. (laughs) 
I mean, thank God I wasn't there. I mean, <laughs> oh my God, I feel I feel like a murder would have taken place if you were there. I mean, I, I was talking with 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 one friend um, who had seen it, and he was like, "Oh, and I like how they're teasing Ned as the hobgoblin." I'm like, "No, he's not the hobgoblin." <laughs> they do make a joke about it in the movie. They do yes. make a joke about yes. it in the movie. But yes. um, a- anyway, if you want to hear more about this story. Uh, or talk about Spider-Man in any other way, uh, come join our, our, our Slack. It's an awesome Spider-Man community. There's a link in the description that will tell you how to access it. Come on in, say hi, and um, maybe I'll start recording my fights with local people uh, about <laughs> Ned Leeds uh, and put it into the Slack. I don't know. If people want that, maybe we can make it happen. Um, I mean, So, yeah, that's the Slack. And, yeah. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't mind seeing it, so. <laughs> okay, all right. Well, your your wish is my command. Okay, <laughs> anyway, so let's, let's get back to talking about Spider-Man No Way Home. So, you know, we've kind of been talking about it around a little bit, but, like, what'd you think? Like, uh, Andrew Garfield's been lying for over a year about this. <laughs> He's in the movie, and so is Tobey Maguire. Uh, yes. What'd you think about their inclusion in the film? You mean Tobey Maguire, the cool youth pastor? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I, I legit thought that, like, they're like, I was like, oh, my God, he's never going to be in costume in this movie. Right. Like, that was part of his cranky writer was that he'd show up but not be in costume. And I think they even played with that as a joke. Like, they know Toby's <laughs> reputation for being a little cranky and yeah. uh, and pulled that one on us. Um, yeah. Or just the very idea that people seem to think that he's a great Peter, but not a great Spider-Man. Right. And, and right. Andrew Garfield's a great Spider-Man and not a great Peter. Like, right. I, I don't know how meta they wanted to go with this, but I thought that was really funny. Yeah. I mean, in terms of my thoughts, I mean, like, look, I mean, like, it, this was kind of like the the worst kept surprise of, like, movie history, I think. <laughs> I mean, like, I, I, I mean, but with that said, like... I had such low expectations for how they would integrate the two of them, provided that all of the rumors were proven true. And I was like very pleasantly shocked by how they how they worked. I I, I felt like, you know, like they, they you know, obviously they each kind of had their their applause moments and you know i'm assuming you had this your theater had the same reaction to mine which was like wild applause for well it was wild applause for garfield and then pandemonium for toby Maguire in my theater when he he stepped <laughs> through like i mean you know i don't know if it was more equitable in yours but like toby definitely got like the the superstar the superstar um reaction and and Andrew Garfield got like the 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 you know the the very good player reaction (laughs) yeah I mean my theater was weird because I was at a screening before even the premiere so it was like me and like 10 to 15 other critics oh okay at like a really private screening the first in the country I think right and um which like I am beyond you know, grateful to have been, right. to, to be able to go to and, and and see the movie so early. But it was, you know, the the theater was mostly empty. So, like, it was mostly me screaming 
Yeah. Uh, which which maybe cuts against my critic credentials. I'm like when 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 Charlie Cox showed up as Daredevil, I was like, Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and, and everybody else in the theater kind of like looked at me like a crazy person. So it was kinda of um, like when I was at Into the Spider Verse yeah. that I I was at Into the Spider-Verse. I had Peter Travers sitting next to me and I was like, how raucous am I allowed to get with, with the with the main critic at Rolling Stone sitting next to me? <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway. uh, you never told me that. That's hilarious. Yeah. That's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah I, I, I thought the use of them was brilliant and the way that they used it as like, uh, like the narrative, but like also their dynamic I thought was really funny. Like, <laughs> Uh, I see a lot of people really reevaluating Andrew Garfield as Spider-Man mm. online, and I think that's a mistake. Um, I mean, <laughs> I like Andrew Garfield. I think he's a great actor. I think his Spider-Man is so goofy yeah. and weird and, like, not the energy you want for a whole feature-length Spider-Man movie. But, like, the way they used him here to kind of, like, play him off like the middle child Right. I thought was really brilliant. Like, like it, it, he's just like a goofy ball of energy, and nobody knows what to do with him in this movie. And uh, and they kind of like you know they call him Spider Man number three. Right. Like, there's a winking no, uh, acknowledgement that he's the least liked of the three, and yeah. that made me like him more. Yeah, yeah. I mean, exactly. I mean, like to to. Th- the people that are, you know, the we're going to get a petition. <laughs> this, this is our movement. And I was like, oh, boy. I mean, like to me, it's like be grateful that that this actor got an opportunity to kind of send off his character that otherwise got kind of unceremoniously cut off, you know, like but like let's not forget regardless of. Your, what you think of Garfield's performance. I mean, those those movies are not good movies. I mean, they're just not those two web movies, you know, Mark Webb movies. I, they're, they're, like, you know, I, I, I kind of got called out on Twitter because I said they were like low points for superhero movies, and maybe that's too harsh, but they're certainly low points for Spider-Man movies. But beyond that, yeah, I, I mean, Garfield's character, you know, interpretation is a little not for me, um, but I will say worth the price of admission when he saved MJ and like that kind of that, that look on his face, you know, when he realized he kind of had his redemption for Gwen and like that got me, like that was a, that was a, that was a choked welled up moment for me. Like, you know, as, as kind of obvious as it was, as it was happening in real time where you were like, you know, like Holland couldn't get to her. It's like, okay, Garfield's going to make the save. That's got to be what happens here. And of course he does, but like he sells that moment so well. And that's where I feel like his actual acting chops came through because he wasn't playing Spider-Man anymore. He was playing someone who lost the love of his life and was at least able to save this other person's love and, and kind of feel redemption from that. Um, Like that was like, to me, like a true highlight of this movie, like watching that very small emotional interaction. He does bring an energy into this movie that suggests like, Hey, my movies were bad and I have publicly gone on the record about it. But like, I got a new chance here. Like you can really get that like energy from him. Like yeah. Toby seems much more muted to me because he's like, I don't have anything to prove. And right. Andrew Garfield to me yeah. feels like an actor that's like, I got to prove something that I wasn't a fluke uh, being given this role. Yeah. But like, to- I, but like Toby does like, I feel in certain 
points kind of bring that like big brotherly calming you know like like you said he's got nothing to prove but like i still feel like he adds value here like it's it's a subtle value it's not it's not to the level of like what you got from garfield but like he was like just seeing him walk through and kind of his energy and his body language it just felt like 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 a like a old relative you haven't seen in a few years, but you like seeing them and you like being around them and you can just kind of pick up the conversation where you left off and it's not like you haven't missed a beat. And that was kind of what I got from Toby here in this movie. I mean, nothing, nothing like exceptional and over the top, but like discomforting and warm feeling. I don't know. Like I, it kind of like a warm blanket, I guess. <laughs> it, it's all worth it for the back massage scene. Yes. Because like what what an incredibly meta joke. I mean, it works in, in universe that like Toby Spider-Man got his back hurt in Spider-Man 2. But then to know that Toby got his back hurt on Seabiscuit, I mean there's like a whole like the only way that that could have taken more meta is if like another Spider-Man showed up, pulled off his mask and uh, it was Jake Gyllenhaal. Like that's the only way that moment could have gotten more <laughs> insane um, th- than that. So um, that was that was really great. You know, I, I want to talk about like kind of the plot of this. We've talked yes. a lot about the character and how it really nails that. You know, there's this whole plot, and I think everybody was really excited about like the idea of like unmasked Spider-Man. What does that mean for the character? You right. know. I'm amazed that we got a like one more day movie that is actually really good. Yes. Like that continues to blow me away. What do you think of the kind of like just the basic plot mechanics uh, of this movie? Yeah. I mean, like I, I feel that initially like the central conflict was a little murky for me. I mean, like, you know, like they, they kind of brush away very early on, like the stakes of like the legal stakes of Peter's identity being out. Although, like you said, we got that great appearance by Charlie Cox's Daredevil, you know, which, you know, by the way, not, 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 not to, not to pick on the fans right now, but like people are being like, they could do Andrew Garfield again because they brought back Charlie Cox. And I'm like, yeah, but they never recast Daredevil. (laughs) Like, so yeah, like it's, it's not, it's apples and oranges here anyway. Um, but yeah, I felt like they I want an end bro- into the Daredevil verse with uh, ben, ben Affleck and Charlie Cox. Yeah, well, right, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, like they, they kind of brushing it away. But then, like, I feel like once the movie picks really starts picking up for me when you know all of the villains are through the portal or through the multiverse, if you will, and you know, like, kind of May gives Peter that charge of like, no, we can't just send them back to die, you know, like, and I feel like, you know, to me that what, what, what works about that from a central conflict standpoint is this feels like a very, I mean, it's actually riffing off of, I mean, we talk about one more day, but it's also Dan Slott's, um, no one dies, you know, like very, very adamantly. So, I mean, like it's, it's, it's Peter kind of almost unreasonably being like, no, no, I have to do everything in my power to to save these people that, you know, A, want me dead in another universe, but B, like, are fated to die anyway. But like, I, I can't have that happen. You know, like, I, I, I need to try and fix it. And I feel like that's one of those things. That was, that's one of those defining characteristics of Peter Parker, Spider-Man 
that sets him very far apart from other superheroes. Not, you know, like not that other superheroes gleefully kill, but like that they would go to such almost illogical lengths to 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 avoid the deaths of of their adversaries. Um, so I feel like once we kind of once that takes over from the plot and it's less about his identity and 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 the and the pratfalls of that, like it picks up for me in a, in a major way and i and i totally buy into the conflict and then you know kind of like going from that point to that point to that and like how each mistake peter is made is compounding the next and the next that make to me makes the ultimate sacrifice that his last sacrifice which is again ties back to his identity but then it kind of makes sense to me you know like now i now again it's like okay this makes sense that he's going to these lengths because of everything that happened that preceded it i don't know so it it worked for me in the end but it kind of was a rough start for me yeah i mostly agree with you i think there's a lot of fun to be had in the opening act where you get the kind of like light mcu shenanigans right. um of the characters being silly and visiting doctor strange and and all of that stuff. Um, and I think I, 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 you're right. I think once this kind of villain conceit comes in, it really kind of takes on a, an emotional level. That's interesting. Um, I think it's good that the emotional stuff and the character stuff works as well as it does, because I think the plot is a little simplistic. It's mm. like go chase after MacGuffin um, right. and in- invent cure off screen you know, and got to get the cure and stab the guy in the neck. It's very simple and, right. um, you know, uh, kind of forgettable. Like, and I think that they don't really do very much with the identity thing. And I think that comes down to also like the Uncle Ben stuff and us not really seeing the consequences of his identity getting out there. And I really think that they could have maybe done that. I know they're already juggling so many things, but it takes me back to the end of Homecoming where you've got the Scorpion character confronting Adrian Toomes in jail about like Spider-Man's identity and Toomes doesn't give it up. Mm. You know, like I think that they're like, they could have maybe had higher stakes for the identity thing rather than just, uh, we didn't get into MIT, which to me seems like really low stakes and also very privileged first world problems. (laughs) Yeah. Like imagine instead if like Scorpion shows up from homecoming and now he's got Peter's identity and he can actually like go after his family in a way that it's like, Oh, like he's really in danger. I I never felt any danger about the legal thing because it didn't really make sense. The magic stuff is mostly mumbo jumbo. Right. Like I don't even like the final decision as great as I think it is in this movie. I don't really get why he needs to make that choice. Um, like how the spell really works. Um, so I just think like if I have one complaint about the opening of the movie is I think the stakes are really low yeah. and uh, you know, could have been elevated in a way that makes that quest all the more important, you know? Um, right. And and Peter's sacrifice um, all, all that much better. Yeah, but it but it's such a better sacrifice than the one more day, don't you think? <laughs> I mean, it's oh, far oh, more yeah. far more selfless. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's 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 really devastating. I mean, I don't know. I mean, this is a side topic. Like, what do you think about a Spider Man that has nobody? You know, even yeah. when Aunt May is dead in the comics, so to speak, he has MJ. Yeah, you know? I mean, right. Although, but like, but if you think about it, like, this kind of brings you back to Dick 
Ditko and Lee because it's like that character really doesn't have anybody. I mean, like May is alive, but she's an albatross, you know, like it's so and he really doesn't have that. You know, we talk about the supporting cast all the time, but like that supporting cast of true friends, you really don't have until the Ramita run with with Stanley. I mean, like that's that's who kind of brings it to that. So, um, yeah, it's 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 kind of dark and dystopic, but. It's not completely far into this character, I don't think. I don't think it's that far of a cry, but it's it's tough. But like, I think I, I texted this to you earlier today. Like, I would be interested in reading something about this in the comics. You know, like I like you know like now. You know, like if they're talking about doing some kind of hard reset with Peter for some reason, like this could be an interesting way to do it. Like, what if you bring him back to nothing again, like truly nothing? Um, well, that's what to... I was hoping Superior would do. Yes. Yes. Um, I mean, I think we all thought Superior was headed in that direction, right? Yeah. Because you still have the hope in this movie. It's kind of like, you know, the internal sunshine of the spotless mind and uh, ending where it's like they're all going to find each other in some way. But like, you know, when Peter has that opportunity initially, he realizes, no, this is not the time to do this yet. You know, like like. You know, they're living their lives. Let them be. But we can come back to this. That was kind of my read of it, you know, from 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 his angle. Not that he would never, ever, ever go back, but like he wasn't going to go back now. Well, I mean, he's got a warm cup of coffee at the end, right? Which is to suggest he's been returning to that coffee shop. Um, You know, whether he's interacting with MJ or not, I would assume not that he is kind of just like keeping an eye on them and making sure that they're safe. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I will take a little bit of like disagreement with you about the Dicko thing, which is like so much of the Dicko run. Like, you know, I don't know if the Dicko one was truly about like Peter balancing the uncle Ben lesson. Cause I don't know that that they revisited it all that much until it truly became like canonized as the series grew. But mm. it was always about like him balancing like, Aunt, his his duties to keeping Aunt May safe and cared for as an old person with his superhero life, right? Yeah, so no, you're all, right. If yeah. all he has is a superhero life, and I guess his own life, it does feel like he's a little less encumbered. Um, I'm sure he'll develop relationships if this series continues, which I can't imagine it not continuing. It's just something to keep in mind, I, 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 I think. Yeah, I mean, maybe it's more akin to Ben Riley. You know, and and what he represents in the comics. I mean, not that I don't I don't think they're going to make Peter Ben Riley here, but there's some. some <laughs> he just shows up and he's dyed his hair blonde. Yeah, with like some blonde and, streaks. There you go. <laughs> yeah. And he's open. He's working. In, he's working in the coffee shop. There you go. It's um, the coffee bean. <laughs> there, there you go. There you go. I, I was really hoping that it would be the coffee bean that she was working in. Yeah. But I imagine that they couldn't do it because there is an actual chain of coffee place yes. in California called the coffee bean. Yeah. I so, think we got one um, in New York too. So there you go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A- absolutely. Um, so, I mean, the last thing that really blew me away about this movie is like, and we talked about it lightly is like, this really feels like it's like set out. It's goal was to like fix the past 20 years of Spider-Man movies. Yeah. Like so much of this movie reads like a list that Kevin Feige and writers were like crossing off that like bothered them about the last 20 years of Spider-Man movies. And I got to say, I really was really impressed with like how it was handled in such a fluid way that it makes it, there are moments that get bogged down in exposition. 
Um, and I think that killed the momentum a little bit, but like that it couches these mistakes that the filmmakers made as mistakes that the spider people made. Um, it makes it really interesting. Like, yeah, it like recategorizes all of that as like problems with those characters, not with their filmmakers. It, it It's a weirdly, it's a weird thing to see Sony make this movie, which is corrective of their old movies and the approach right. of their movies. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, like it, it, it was kind of, again, a surprise. It was not something I was expecting to come out of this movie in any way. I mean, like I, I just really felt and frankly, you know, don't 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 take offense to this. But after I read like kind of some of your spoiler free thoughts on Twitter, I was like, oh, it really sounds like some of the Sony stuff is going to be inconsequential. Um, but like, no, nah, in reality, I feel like they they were very cognizant of the flaws of this uh, earlier Sony movies. And we're going to address that while also progressing our own iteration of this character in a meaningful way. And I, I feel again, I feel like they pulled it off. I feel like they pulled off that trick because it could have had it could have gone t- terribly wrong. And it didn't to me. I think the amazing thing about this movie is that the Sony verse stuff doesn't have any impact on it. Like the Venom post credit scene is right. a joke, you right. know, like, and maybe that's that. Maybe that was your comment that, that I misread that the Sony verse doesn't have an impact. And I was like, Oh, okay. Then I guess it's kind of like, but like, I'm thinking in terms of like the earlier Sony characters and interpretations and how they would impact the story. I do feel that they did just not the current sony verse is that kind of clarifying what you're saying that, that that's what i meant was yeah. like we're not seeing morbius here we see no connections to that there's no like right. i honestly thought this movie would end with tom holland opening a portal into whatever dimension venom is from you know and instead we just get the opposite which is like the venom leaves a symbiote behind so it's like so we don't need venom now like we have our own venom um <laughs> well wait till you see let there be carnage mark um um you know I, I I do have some theories about uh that symbiote that's left behind if you, if you don't mind um so I mean I, and I think this is an interesting question which is like uh, let me ask you this question first before I get into it like how do you feel moving forward about this series? Like for me, I have great worry that like if the people at Marvel are not controlling this, we've just queued up Sony to ruin a really <laughs> great thing. Right. Um, and that scares the hell out of me. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying. I mean, well, first of all, I, <laughs> you know, I know that, you know, the, 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 the deal is over as of now, but like, I, I don't know, like money talks, you know, like, and, and I, and like, you know, this movie is going to make a God huge amount of money here. <laughs> I mean, like just silly money. Yeah. I mean, in a pandemic, I mean, you know, <laughs> like, you know, if this was if this was 2019 when Endgame came out, it would it would have probably swamped Endgame. You know what I mean? Like, 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 let's be real here. Um, so, like, I feel like and I think Sony has to recognize that, like, 
there this success is only due to the fact that Marvel has had its hand in it and that, you know, this its connection to the MCU, but also like their their vision kind of shaping Sony's vision um, is leading to Spider-Man being more profitable than it's ever been. So like, you know, I'm reserving judgment until truly like a movie comes out that has no influence from Marvel whatsoever. You know, like I, it's not it ain't over till it's over from my end. Um, but on top of that, like, you know, and I know it's the animated side is different from the live action side, but Sony did do Into the Spider-Verse and it was brilliant, you know? So like, you know, like, let's not totally kill what the future might look like with Sony. That's all. I'm, did you get as big of a chuckle out, out of the Avia Rod plug in the credits yes. as I did? <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> <laughs> I was the only person. I was howling with laughter in my screening when that came on the screen. But, um, yeah. uh, you know, yeah, I, I have great worry, but I like I also have great hope because the character is where I want it to be. And I could see it going any number of new directions, you know, that big spread of characters that show up in the multiverse and you can see scorpion and rhino and craven in there um that was so fun and uh it made me very hopeful like i hope we get black cat in the future there's so many things we've never seen um you know in in these movies and i i think like we're really you know the fact that we got like norman osborne and he said there is no norman in this universe i'm like cool like show me something yeah. new like give yeah. me Moreland. Give you know yeah. like, like yeah. Sh- show me something new and I, I i'll be really excited a- about about that so that i'm very hopeful about i do think that this symbiote that's left is going to play a function akin to secret wars the symbiote in secret wars because i think any like fan of marvel comics knows that we're headed towards secret wars uh, with all this multiversal stuff, um, mm. you know, and introducing Kang and bringing in the Fantastic Four soon. Like, that's the next big thing. I think that that suit is going to operate that way. And we've seen that Venom can hop between dimensions because of his suit. I think that that is Sony leaving behind a teleporting device in the Marvel Universe that will allow, like, allow him to get his suit in the same way he did in Secret Wars, and it's going to have some twisted function, which is going to bring him to the Sony-verse. Um, and I, I, I'm saying it, I have nothing to back this up, I know nothing, but I had a real feeling like that, that thing being left there at the end will not come without a price, mm. um, which may be to see Spider-Man traveling between dimensions using the symbiotes. Um, that's just my hunch. Uh, but, but that's what I'm thinking. Um, call this another one of my crazy Dan speculates. I mean, are you going to, are you going to look at the colors of his costume and his bandages now, Dan, or, uh... <laughs> Oh God. Yeah. Right. Oh, look out. No. <laughs> um, so Mark, I think at the end of this, we both like really like love this movie and yeah. recommend it. And every time I talk about it, I kind of fall for it a little bit harder. I cannot wait to see it again. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's so much to take in as a Spider-Man fantasy something like this um like it it just deserves multiple watches and 
you know, maybe I'll find a screening that's kind of empty on like a Monday morning or something right, like that and right. sneak into it. But like, I want, I want to see this thing as many times as I can while being safe. Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah. Any final thoughts, Mark? Yeah. I mean, like I, I, I kind of echo that. I, I, I definitely want to try and find an opportunity to see it again safely. Um, but you know, I, 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 I cannot, I cannot repeat enough, like just how, overwhelmed i was by it and surprised and like it was just such a great treat to be surprised in that way um by something like this because i don't feel like like even even endgame as much as i you know like we talk about the fan service of endgame like i don't know like it still felt like it ended where it needed to end you know what i mean like i wasn't totally surprised by it but like there were just things about this movie that really legitimately surprised me and it wasn't even the stuff that you think that would have been the surprise you know but so like it's just good it's kind of reaffirming and 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 amazing to have that experience in a theater again watching a spider-man movie you know like it's been too long for i i shouldn't say into into the spider-verse did that but like again like I almost consider that different because it's animated and I I hate to be that way. But like you said earlier, like once you kind of get that, it's kind of hard to compare the live action with that because like there's just things that, that could have been done there that just can't be done here. But yeah, I mean, it's been, you know, 2004 was Spider-Man two. I mean, that was the last time I felt that captivated by a Spider-Man movie in the theater. And like to get that experience again was really like, fantastic and 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 took me back in a really really pleasant way so i i'm really curious and i i've not been keeping up with reactions but the audience score in this seems to be through the roof and i honestly because i saw this before everybody else i was unsure what i thought people would react to the ending of this movie because they've fallen in love with these characters right and like you know but it speaks to you know the power of the spider-man character that people really are celebrating the ending in the same way that we are. Cause it's really a downbeat ending. Yeah. Um, but also full of hope and, and purpose. And that is something that I just don't think any character could pull off on screen. And I thought maybe it would only make like mean that much to diehards like you and I, but it seems like audiences everywhere are really responding to it. it similarly to how we are. And, and that to me says says a lot. So yeah, um, it's yeah, it's, yeah. It's funny that you say that because like you know people you know like I always think of like movies like Saving Private Ryan or Million Dollar Baby where like you know it was kind of like pin drop silent when we left the theater, but like that was like it, because it was just so kind of despairing and and somber, you know. Um, whereas this, it it was pin drop silent, but like with like this kind of tittering energy in the background, you know what I mean? Like, like, cause like, I feel like people were just like, they were really left speechless by what they saw, but they were still excited by it. You know, like that was kind of my, yeah. the, 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 the vibe I got from the people around me. And, and like, you know, I, I immediately texted you. I knew you weren't going to respond because you were in movie world, but like I, I texted a couple other people that I know who had already seen it. And like immediately, like, you know, like people just wanted to talk about it, even if they they didn't know exactly what they wanted to say. And I feel like that's, that's a really interesting kind of 
reaction to have in a, for a movie like this, where it's like you're 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 kind of speechless and you're kind of silent, but like you still want to say something, you know? Like, and and I feel like this movie left you with that. I'm, cu- I'm curious if you had the similar experience that I did, which is like when I watched Into the Spider Verse and Miles meets Spider Man. Mm-hmm. There, the way the music is and the way the character moves and his heroism. I get goosebumps every time I watch it because it's yeah. like seeing this character that I love for the first time. Like to to me, it was like that. I saw the character that I had loved on screen for the first time and moving for the first time. Right. I know it's not a real person, right. but to me it was like, Oh my God, I can feel how I feel about this character. Mm. Is that how you felt in the final moments of this movie where you were yeah. like, I'm seeing Spider-Man for the first time. 100%. Yes. Yeah, I, I, I can't. And that's a powerful I can't, I, experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it just it just floored me. You know, like it 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 really did. Like, yeah, like you said, like I kind of want to go back and just see those last few minutes again and see those last few sequences again. But I also want to watch the whole movie. <laughs> so you know, <laughs> fair enough. So, fair so enough. sorry, but yeah. <laughs> All right, so bottom line, I guess we're saying go see it. If you've yeah. watched this far and you haven't seen it, like, <laughs> why did you do this to yourself? Right, um, I right. Guess, so I guess if you watch this far and you have seen it, which thankfully I, I think most people, it's like, yeah, go see it again, but safely, you know? Um, yeah, and, yeah. And uh, I, 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 at least that's my, my like, how I'm going to try to do it. Um, yeah. Well, well, great, Mark. This has been really fun. Um, yeah. Well, and, and and to you, the listener, if you thought this was really entertaining or you found some value in it, why not consider supporting us? You can recommend this show to a friend. That's the best way you can support us. But if you want to take it a step further and, and help us continue doing what we're doing, you can also become a member of our Patreon. can only bring you this content with the support of our patreon members and we owe the show's success to every single one of them we are constantly making exclusive content for our members yeah so why not take the three dollars 99 cent the price of a new comic and put it towards a month subscription to support the show and start getting that patreon exclusive content that way you'll hear all of our review podcasts of every new issue of Amazing Spider-Man the same week they come out instead of waiting for it to arrive in our public podcasting feed. Well, at least we try to do it as best we can. The holidays have thrown yeah. us off a little bit, but right. um, we'll get back know, on track. Uh, we're going to be back on track pretty soon for everybody. Yeah, if you contribute $10 a month in, you gain access to exclusive artwork from famous Spider-Man artists commissioned exclusively for our members. This season, we'll be mailing out a print by artist Ron Friends. He's created a lost page of the kid who collects Spider-Man for us, inked by Brett Breeding, depicting Tim and Spidey sharing laughs over Tim's Spider-Man comic collection. Let me tell you, folks, this piece is gorgeous. Uh, plus, every episode, we release a new episode-specific desktop backdrop created for us by artist Nick Cagnetti for our patrons to enjoy. And I'll say that, again, that I'm sending out the print of that piece of art in the new year so if you want to get in on this like now is the time to sign up uh i hope you guys will do so because you don't want to miss this awesome ron friend piece but you know it's christmas time the omicron variant is going around like the world is in complete utter chaos (laughs) you know 
cats and dogs are living together. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's a whole thing. Um, you know, Silvermane is, is starting to break down. Uh, but uh, yeah, <laughs> it's a hard time for everybody as it is for us too. So we appreciate anyone who supports the show just by listening and sharing. But again, if you do have the means, we'd love it if you would support us on our Patreon. It lets us keep doing all the stuff that we do. There's a link in the description to the show. And again, a thank you to everybody who already makes this show possible by uh, joining our Patreon. We hope you're getting as much out of it as we put into it and into this show. Um, So yeah, that is our Patreon. Well, Dan, it is that time. Time for all good things to come to an end. So we want to say thank you to you, the listeners and viewers, for tuning in to this episode of The Amazing Spider Talk. Yeah, this episode was edited by our friend Rick Coast with production support from Andy Myers, who I just directed a movie with this weekend. Our artwork <laughs> comes handcrafted by artists Ron Friend, Sal Buscema, and Ray Sumser. Our theme songs were produced by Rylan Bojack, Tony Thaxon, and Spider Madge. And to round it all out, Mark, you know, we finally got the, the famous motto of Spider-Man in No Way Home as it was meant to be read. But we have a separate motto, Mark. Yeah. So, Mark, until we both botch a spell that allows us to meet our alternate us's, a Mark <laughs> who loves annuals and a Dan who thinks they don't count. Oh, What's our motto? I need to meet this Dan. Um, I would say with great podcasts, there must also come the amazing spider talk. Don't, don't miss the next